podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our midweek episode and a loaded and fantastic episode we have for you today. We've got two great interviews. Of course, it's Thursday and it's softball season, so we're going to talk softball. Aiden Wyatt of Wide Right Natty Light going to join the show to talk a little Iowa State softball, a tough opening weekend for the Cyclones. Look at the schedule ahead, look at what went wrong, and the positive takeaways for that program as the season gets underway. Then, college baseball season starts this week. We're going to do what we do at the start of every season. Our good friends, John and Kyle from College Baseball Nation join us to draft our favorite Big 12 non-conference series. This year, UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati are on the board for series that we can pick. We each pick our four favorite and talk about some more, plus a little bit of just general Big 12 conversation for this season. And my thoughts on the fact that the conference should expect to get two hosts for regional play every year. Those are coming up in just a minute. we got some things to get to. Um, I had to move this to the top of the order for our intro. You know the names. You know the names John Canzano and John Wilner. Of course, those are two individuals who cover the Pac-12. Their name's quite prominent to Big 12 fans. They host a podcast together, and they had the privilege of hosting Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark on their latest episode that dropped on Wednesday, so I listened to that before we sat down to record and jotted down some notes of some of the things that your mark had to say. One of the biggest things that interests me was the viewpoint on them signing the contract with ESPN and Fox early. Your mark said that one of the things that he considered and the presidents considered when they went in and made the decision to sign an extended contract, a new contract with Fox and ESPN, quote, from a strategic point of view, what do we need now? What does the Big 12 need now and during the next term? I felt it was about being on the biggest platform and having the greatest reach possible, having great promotion, and turning many of our emerging brands, our member institution brands, into household brands. And what would provide me with the best opportunity to do that? I felt ESPN and Fox were the ones for sure. We've talked about branding, the Big 12 brand, younger, hipper, cooler, that is what his primary focus is, and that's what his entire focus of signing this early contract, continuing to stay with ESPN and Fox, was. It makes a lot of sense. We're having this conversation about the Pac-12 and how much they're going to put on streaming and how hard that's going to be to view. Where do most people go to watch their sports? Fox Sports, ESPN, ABC. It made a lot of sense. Interesting nugget. All of the teams have signed their grant of rights, so all 12 Big 12 teams that will be in the conference after Oklahoma and Texas leave have signed their grant of rights, and that's big. Uh, talked a bit about expansion. Uh, when he thinks about expansion, he thinks of, quote, performance, cultural fit, time zone, and geography. Is it the right fit for us? What's going to be additive? That's something he has said over and over and over again. Uh, they, they asked him about, you know, Big 12 versus Pac-12. He said, quote, no one is fighting. I have a great relationship, a collegial relationship with George Klyavkov. I believe in this industry that you can partner with your colleagues for the all the right reasons, but sometimes you're going to compete. That's the world we live in. We are not going after the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is not going after us. The media has turned it into something different. Look, we've all grabbed this narrative that the Big 12 is going after the Pac-12. Because it's a fun narrative to talk about, but I mean, I, I believe him to some extent. They're not going to outright be sitting in a room arguing with each other, trying to steal each other's programs. And we've gone over all the reasons that the Pac-12 schools, the corner four as we talk about the most, aren't just going to bounce over for the Pac-12. So, you know, it's a thing to keep an eye on. But they did want to talk about his conversation about expansion. He talks about expansion. That's the next step. He wants to be a national conference in all time zones and, quote, have our Big 12 flag all over the country. I get it. He wants to be in all four time zones. 
he said that. We all assume that means the corner four is poaching for the Pac-12. It can mean a lot of things. And, and one of those things they talked about on the podcast was basketball. Quote, when you talk about basketball specifically, I do feel like basketball is undervalued in this industry. Hello, Big 12 fans. And I've got numbers and data to show it. It's been undervalued. It's been bundled with football. At some point in time, the value proposition needs to change. Obviously, I speak of that from a position of strength, of course, meaning that the Big 12 is the best college basketball in the conference in the country. At the right time, I think we're going to be able to monetize it. Thinking about ways to monetize basketball that haven't been done before and looking for the opportunity to take advantage of that from an expansion standpoint. So look, he's a smart guy. He's playing his cards right. The moves he's made so far have been smart and in the Big 12's best interests. I love what your mark has been doing. Hashtag younger, hipper, cooler. It's a really good interview. It's worth the listen. I think the whole episode's like 40-so minutes. Uh, of course, that is the... Uh, Kenzano and Wilner podcast. Go give it a listen. Go check it out. I-, I liked a lot of what he had to say. He's a guy that loves basketball. He's happy to be in college athletics. I think he's in this for a longer haul than the Big Ten's commissioner was. We will certainly see. But I like the vision he has had for the Big 12. It has been a good vision. He talked about how in alignment the the board, the Big 12 board was, the presidents of the Big 12. These are all positive things to hear. We can talk about, you know, specific fighting over little bits and things here by athletic directors and presidents and making decisions as far as what benefits their school. That's their job. But it seems like the conference is in a decent amount of alignment. That is a positive thing. And Yarmark is being aggressive. He's being progressive. He's looking to continue to improve this brand and grow this conference. And basketball is a way he wants to do that. And for a conference in men's basketball specifically, that is as good as the Big 12, I'm I'm perfectly fine and happy with that. I am. As I mentioned, college baseball gets underway this weekend. Just a couple of things for you. Um, obviously, College Baseball Nation, John and Kyle are going to join us here in a, in a little bit. Make sure that you are listening to their podcast. You follow them on Twitter. You check out uh, collegebaseball.info. A couple other shows, not in the network. I just, I'm going to plug them. Some free clout. Uh, the Dinger Derby podcast covers Texas Tech baseball. Keith Patrick has been on the show multiple times. He does a fantastic job covering Texas Tech. Uh, Lupton Drinking Club. If you're a TCU fan over there at Frogs today, go and give them a listen. Go check their show out. They do a great job as well. If you know of some other Big 12 baseball-specific podcasts, send them my way. Let me know about them. I've done a little bit of looking, but it's it's hard to to kind of comb through everything. So if you know of one, Hit us up in the DMs on Twitter at 1012network, Instagram at 1012pod, uh, 1012podcast at gmail.com is the email. Uh, let me know. Send me a link. Send it my way. Tag them. Uh, reach out. Let me know. because uh, Look, we're going to do a lot of softball this year, but we're still going to talk some baseball as well. So me, any opportunity I can find to get some new guests on the show that know college baseball, that cover college baseball, specifically in the Big 12, I would love to do so. Send them my way. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours, too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at VivaLaCatsPod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva the Cats. I do want to talk about softball for just a minute. Uh, I want to shout out someone in particular. Uh, that would be Tyson King, who's helping us with some some really cool stats and graphics this year. He's going to be throwing a few things out for us. I put up the first couple on Twitter, at 1012 Network. A nice look at pitching, uh, Big 12 pitching versus fielding stats. No shocker here. Oklahoma, very good. Oklahoma State with some fantastic pitching. We'll talk about that in a second. Texas Tech, honestly, has the best, after the whole first, week, first weekend, pitching and fielding behind Oklahoma in the Big 12 of everyone that we could find. BYU stats were not available, but everyone else, including Houston and UCF, had their stats up. A very nice start to the season for Texas Tech. The record doesn't necessarily reflect that. They're not undefeated. They're 3-2. and two, But 
there's reasons to be excited for Texas Tech. One of those tweeted out a really cool graphic about Big 12 pitchers. Sage Hoover, sophomore for Texas Tech, really impressive opening weekend. Definitely someone to keep an eye on as this season progresses. Obviously, Kelly Maxwell at Oklahoma State. Um, FIP. FIP is an interesting stat um, that I have been learning about, That both for softball and for baseball. My good friend Joel Penfield helping me understand FIP. So what FIP is, it's, it's a pitching stat, as I haven't explained, uh, called Field Independent Pitching. It looks solely at what a pitcher does and can control in every at-bat, looking at the three true outcomes, home run, walk, and strikeout. Essentially, it's ERA taking defense out of the equation. Lower number, the better. Um, in in baseball, anything under three is a really good number for FIP. In, in, after one weekend in the Big 12, uh, you've got quite a few. Kenna Wilkie for Houston, a 2.82. Sia Swain for Iowa State, 1.99. A Mac Morgan of Texas, 1.90. A Caitlin Felton for UCF, 0.75. These are all good. These are incredible numbers. Kelly Maxwell, negative 0.95. It's almost a negative, goodness gracious sakes alive, Kelly Maxwell. She's the best pitcher in this country. And it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Oklahoma State fans, you have right now a generational talent on the mound for Cowgirl Softball. And I think you all understand that because season tickets are sold out. It's really hard to get seats. It's hard to get tickets to, to Cowgirl Softball. There's, they have a game against Central Arkansas in Conway on a Wednesday night in a couple of weeks. That is an hour and a half drive for me. I am going to that game. I'm going to take my four-year-old daughter with me. She's going to be up late. I don't care. That's my best opportunity to go. That's how badly I need to go see this team. Now, Kelly probably won't pitch on a midweek night like that, but I don't care. I just want to go. But if you have a chance to see Kelly Maxwell pitch as an Oklahoma State fan, to see somebody this good, arguably the best pitcher in softball this year, going to be back next year as well, go take advantage of that. That is not something you get to do very often. And it's not something you expect to see year in and year out. So go take advantage of it. Go take advantage of it this weekend. Going to be all over ESPN. Clearwater Invitational is going on. UCF and Oklahoma State both part of that. I am, I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to watch that. It is now on my bucket list for events I want to go to. Uh, Kansas out there in Mexico are going to be placing off against Cal State Fullerton, Sacramento State, Liberty. Uh, Oklahoma is down in Waco for Baylor Invitational. They'll take on Longwood, Stephen F. Austin Army. But they've got a matchup with Baylor. Uh, Iowa State's out in Fresno, California. They've got some good ones to talk about that here uh, in, a, in a bit. A uh, lot of plenty of softball this weekend to watch. Plenty on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Uh, it's more on flow. It's not the best. It's more Kansas on flow. I'll have it on. I'll do my best. Thursday, 9 a.m., ESPNU, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. You think I'm not going to have that on my TV? I am. I am. Wait, OSU Nebraska at 3 o'clock on ESPN Plus? I'm going to have OSU softball on all day on Thursday. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day for yours, truly. I'm thrilled. Baseball season's here, softball, postseason baseball and softball are incredible. Absolutely incredible. You know what else is incredible? The Home Field Apparel app. They have an app that sends you notifications, unique deals, unique promotions, sneak peeks on things. You need to download the Home Field Apparel app and have it on your phone. It's available for Apple and Android devices. And of course, you need to shop Home Field Apparel with the promo code NETWORK12 for 15% off your first purchase. They have every Big 12 school, current and future on Homefield Apparel, incredible lineups of sweaters, t-shirts, hoodies, and in some case joggers. And they keep doing limited edition drops three at a time every week. We've got an Iowa State. Uh, there, there might be another Big 12 team on the near horizon, so keep your eyes out. Homefieldapparel.com, promo code NETWORK12, gets you 15% off your first purchase. Every show on the 1012 Network, Except for the new ones. Sorry, guys. We're working on it. Uh, has a promo code. Feel free to use theirs. That's fine with me. Support the 1012 Network. Support Home Field Apparel. We love them. Cannot wait. Having going to have uh, Connor back on the show soon. Always appreciate Home Field and, and the support that they have shown us. I mean, look, guys. It's such a cool partnership because it's just, it's good stuff. They're great shirts and sweaters and hoodies. And so to get to represent them and, and encourage you guys to buy, look, I say it all the time. I'm, I'm only going to bring on things i want to promote that i actually like think you'll like enjoy myself i don't like i i own so much home field it's ridiculous and not just because they promote with us but because it's really good stuff so 
Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college basketball, baseball, and softball season. Now we're going to do hoop power rankings. We're going to run through these pretty quick because we get to our few interviews. And I think you're probably tired of listening to me talk. Number one, Texas. Yeah, I know they lost to Texas Tech. They're going to remain atop the standings. This is, to me, still the best team in the Big 12 right now. Kansas is charging. Charging. They're playing really, really well. Went on the road. Took care of a very hot Oklahoma State team this week. Uh, Looking at Ken Palm, pre the Iowa State-TCU game that is still going on, their projected final standings have Kansas, Texas, and Baylor all at 12-6, and six, which is why Baylor at number three, because that's the other team that is on their eyes, Kansas, Baylor, joining Texas. I, I think that's a threesome that, yeah, they could all end up tied, or maybe one of them takes the lead. I don't know. A lot of games still to be played. Very exciting. Number four, Oklahoma State. Huge spike here. I know they just lost to Kansas. I understand that. This team has been playing really, really well. Let's see if that Kansas loss is a blip or if this is momentum that they can continue. Number five, I'm putting Iowa State and Kansas State together. Iowa State kind of at five, Kansas State at six. You can flip-flop those. I don't really care. These are two teams that are very similar to me. They're well-coached teams. They play really well, but they are they're hitting a wall. Both these teams are hitting a wall, and I think that has a lot to do with a lack of depth of talent showing up in the back half of the season. This doesn't mean these aren't good teams. They've got some talented guys on the roster. But Baylor, Kansas, and Texas have deeper rosters with more talent on them. Remember, these Iowa State's got a lot of transfers. Kansas State's got a lot of transfers. There's a lot of guys who played at different places that are all in the Big 12 now and trying to get through this Big 12 gauntlet. And I think it's hitting them hard. I think it is hitting them really hard. Plus, it's the back half of the schedule. Everyone's seen you. They've got tape. They know what you like to do. That does have an effect on you. I think this is a good Iowa State team. This is a good Kansas State team. They are well coached. They need a break. Unfortunately, there is not one in this conference. Number seven, TCU. Now the eighth team to suffer a three-game losing streak in conference play, joining Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, and West Virginia. Might be a four-game losing streak by the time this podcast is over with the way that Iowa State game is going. Look, they need Eddie Lampkin. They need Mike Miles back. This is a better-than-seventh-place team, but until they get these players healthy, that's where they're going to be. Number eight, West Virginia. I'm going to talk about them with number nine, Texas Tech, who I have jumped past Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma just beat a slumping Kansas State at home. I don't care. Oklahoma has been moved back back to number 10 because I think the Oklahoma win over Kansas State has more to do with Kansas State slide than I do Oklahoma. Texas Tech up to nine, knocking off Texas at home after beating Kansas State at home. They've now got three conference wins. This game on Saturday between West Virginia and Texas Tech is huge. We talked about this on Monday. No team with six or fewer conference wins has made the NCAA tournament in the Big 12 era since it became this 10-team iteration. So seven is the bare minimum required to make the NCAA tournament. I don't see that breaking this year. No matter how good the Big 12 is, I have a hard time seeing that happen. Now, Cam Palm's projection, as I said, nine and four in conference play for Kansas, Texas, Baylor, 12 and six projected, 10 and eight projected for Iowa State and Kansas State, TCU and Oklahoma State projected at nine and nine, West Virginia projected at seven, 11, Oklahoma and Texas Tech at five and 13. Here's the problem for me. West Virginia has four wins. Texas Tech and Oklahoma both have three. West Virginia has to get three more wins to get to seven. They've got to go undefeated at home the rest of the way. Is there three home games left? Texas Tech on Saturday, Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State to close the season. Two road games at Kansas, at Iowa State in there as well. They've got to go and win out on the road or at home, to get there. Texas Tech, to me, has the easier stretch down the way. Now, for them to get to seven, they've got to win four of their final five games. They're at West Virginia, at Oklahoma, home for TCU, at Kansas, home for Oklahoma State. I think Texas Tech has the easier schedule, despite being the team with three road games, where West Virginia has three home games. This Saturday is big. Because I think the winner of that game, if West Virginia wins that game, I think they're going to be able to get there. I think they're going to get there. And I know it's a lot because Kansas State's a big deal, but I think they've got to win this game on Saturday. If Texas Tech gets that win, 
Texas Tech looks like they're turning things around at the right time. Because look back. We said, I wonder if the win at LSU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge would be a catalyst for Texas Tech. Yeah, they turned around a couple days later and got smashed by Baylor. Baylor is super, super hot. Then they went on the road to Oklahoma State and almost got that win. That game was tied with like six seconds left. And Oklahoma State got an incredible putback on a rebound that got them a, a two-point win. Three-point win. Texas Tech almost could have won that game. Then they come home and beat Kansas State and beat Texas. I think this team is turn, figuring things out right now. Is it too little too late? Don't know. Oh, I forgot about, no, no. They, they won at LSU, then they beat Iowa State, then they got trashed to Baylor. Pardon me. All three of their conference wins have come since the end of January with that win over LSU. This is, this is a team that might have turned the corner. So, this game on Saturday, there are big games on Saturday in the Big 12. Big games. Because there's big games in the Big 12 every freaking week. There's big games. Iowa State, Kansas State, two slumping teams that are looking for a win. Oklahoma and Texas, Red River. Baylor, Kansas, arguably becoming the biggest rivalry in the Big 12 in men's basketball. This game's on ESPN. Texas Tech, West Virginia, to me, is the most important game in the Big 12. Because if the Big 12 is going to get eight teams in the conference, someone's got to get to seven wins between West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. And I think West Virginia and Texas Tech are the two teams poised to do it. The winner of that game, I think, gets the leg up in getting there. The loser of that game, they're, they're in trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. All right. As I said, two great interviews. I'm, I'm burned out from rambling. You guys are tired of listening to me. Let's get to them. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well, if all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing, if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. The first weekend of the 2023 college softball season is in the books. It is wrapped up. And I would say most of the teams had what I would view as solid weekends. Oklahoma undefeated. OSU dropped a game, but they played a lot of newcomers in that one. Baylor, I thought, was impressive. Uh, Two teams, though, kind of stuck out for having what I would call somewhat disappointing opening weekends. Texas being one. We talked about them in the opening a little bit. And Iowa State, a program that I view as a team that consistently should be finishing fourth or fifth, vying for a postseason berth, had a had a tough start. Started 0-3, but got two wins to close out their opening weekend over Northern Iowa. So I wanted to talk about Iowa State as a program that I, I have typically high expectations for uh, coming into each season. Aiden Wyatt, who covers softball uh, for Wide Right Natty Light and their fantastic collection of podcasts. You know we love that insane and crazy crew over there. Aiden, welcome to the 10-12, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I, I hate to start on such a dour note, but I mean, it. look, it's the first weekend of the season and you're, you're working through things, you're figuring stuff out. A team now, especially with as many games as is played, a team now is not necessarily the team that we're going to see at the end of the year. But it's hard not to look at Iowa State with three losses to Omaha, a loss to Omaha, two against Drake, and then finally a couple wins against Northern Iowa and not come away a bit disappointed with this opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting mix of a lot of veteran players and a lot of freshmen. So I think this was kind of a good weekend to figure everything out. Obviously, you want to come away with more than two wins, but uh, I think it was the second Drake game that we lost. Uh, we lost 4-3, to three and top of the seventh, leadoff triple, then get a runner on second, and we can't score a run get three straight outs, game over. Uh, it sounded like, you know, everyone played pretty well. It was just, you know, softball's weird, and you can play well and still lose. Like, they were getting hits. It just happened to go right to everyone. Uh, but, you know, it's a good note to end 2-0 on the weekend against you and I. So, 
there is some silver linings, I guess. So you mentioned a lot of uh, a premix of, of young and old. Kind of walk me through this roster for Iowa State this season. Like what? Where where are the strengths of this of this particular team? So I think you have to start with probably third base, uh, Carly Spellhog, who has been around for a while now. <laughs> uh, you know, she's a steady hand in the infield and is probably going to be our best hitter this year. She hits lead off. Uh, sorry, did I say third base? I meant left field. Um, so, I mean, she's going to be looked at as kind of our best player this year. And I think right behind her is probably going to be uh, Angelina Allen, who we call Mo Allen around here. Uh, she plays a lot of first base, and she's a sophomore and was named a captain, so I think she's going to be looked on a lot as a leader, which isn't super normal for a sophomore to be a captain, so I think she's hoping for a good year as she had last year. Uh, and then a couple of freshmen, Ashley Miner, went four for five on the weekend with her first home run, so that is a good sign for sure. Uh, and then another freshman, Tiana Poole, Played and started all five games this year or this uh, weekend at third base and also had a home run. Collected eight total bases. She's already first on the team for that. So, uh, and then beyond that, there's just kind of a mix of anyone you can play anywhere. Casey Simpson, fifth year senior at second base, she's kind of dealing with a knee issue. So, I don't know her availability moving forward. I think she played four out of five games or three out of five games this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, we were talking before the show, there's still a Ramos on the team. Uh, she is playing center, uh, Michaela Ramos, I believe. Or no, she's, yeah. I don't know. There's so many moving parts right now just because departures from last year, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, Sophie Mara's uh, transfer from Iowa. She is going to be kind of a utility player. She was, I think, National Player of the Year at DMAC when she played there a couple of years ago. So she definitely has some upside. And yeah, it'll just be an interesting year for everyone all around, I think. it, As we said, team's not going to be the same at the end of the year as it is now. And it does feel right. like everyone, every team has things to figure out, right? It does feel like for Iowa State, they lost a lot. From, from last season and, and you've got quite a few pieces that are have been put into spots where they're going to have to make a big impact and they're kind of working through things I mean we've been kind of negative what are the positive takeaways from this weekend how, how do you take this two and three start and and actually try and project ahead in a positive way well what's good is uh since we dropped the first three games we won the next two which means that we were <laughs> able to make adjustments and it worked I don't know, maybe you and I won't be all that good this year. But I think there is hope that with all these tournament games coming up, I think we're in tournaments every weekend for the next month or something like that uh, all over the place. When you play four or five games a weekend, you can make these quick adjustments right away. Now, when you're in a three-game series, it's not as easy to do on a weekend. But I think since there's hope that the freshmen, I think we had 17 players taken at bat this weekend or something like that. Five freshmen played, so I think if there's hope, you know, we can get better every day that we play. You mentioned a lot of tournaments coming up. Iowa State will not play, forget home, will not play in the state of Iowa again until a two-game header against BYU in Ames on March 17th. So for the next month, they are away from home. They're going to Cal, uh, two tournaments in California, one in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and one out there in Hawaii. I mean, look, for this team, going to be on the road for that long, long stretch. How do you feel like that's going to impact this roster? Honestly, I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy because it seems like this normally happens. We're actually, I think that March 17th game is the first time we've played in March at home or scheduled to play in March at home in three or four years at least. I mean, that game's probably going to get snowed out just because that's the way it is around here. <laughs> but, you know, normally we're not playing home games until April. So I think this team will be pretty well adjusted. And also, I mean, they're going to Hawaii and California. So. I'm sure they'll find a way to manage that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting non-conference slate. You're going to head to, uh, mm-hmm. to Fresno, California this coming weekend. Not a murderer's row with, with UIC, Fresno State, Seattle. Um, then they're back to California um, with UC Riverside, Cal Poly, San Diego. you got a Utah and Oregon in there. And then I just mentioned Fayetteville. They've got two games against Arkansas. They've got two games against North Texas. Now, I, I would argue that Fayetteville tournament is going should be what I would I would view as their most difficult non-conference challenge with who they mm-hmm. have to face. So you've got a lot of time. You've got two tournaments. What is that? Um, Ten games before you get to Fayetteville to try and help work some things out. You got a game against Oregon there at the end of that second Cali trip. I mean, what do you need to see from this Iowa State team the next couple weekends to to really start to feel like they're figuring things out? I think it's going to be in the field. Uh, I think Coach Pinkerton has done a great job of adjusting players to where and his staff, I should say, uh, turning them into good slash great hitters. Uh, we've seen a lot of people come in and they struggle right away, and then they start to figure things out, get a bunch of hits in a row, and they seem to be good. But the fielding is not always as steady as you'd hope it would be. So I think uh, when Coach Pink has his revenge game against Arkansas, that by then, you know, you hope to keep the errors pretty minimal. You mentioned uh, Michaela Ramos. Um, nice opening weekend for her. Her mm-hmm. fielding is perfect so far, looking at the stats. Uh, nice 100%, very effective. Also good stuff from Angelina Allen. Uh, so you've got a couple players so far who, from a defensive standpoint, have played well. I see the same for uh, Spellhog, and, uh, man, I'm going to mispronounce the last name, and I apologize. It's Malaysia Ochoa? Yep. Oh, good. Nailed man. it. Bravo. All right. I'll mess it up the second time. Um, so it does seem like, so far, defensively, Iowa State looks as though mm-hmm. you've got some studs that are playing fairly well. Where the concern seems to be for me so far is in is in the pitching. Um, you look at the starters from this past weekend, uh, Carly Charles, uh, Saya Swain, not the best numbers you'd like to see. Obviously, the competition is going to continue to increase. And what, what mm-hmm. are you seeing from this pitching staff so far? I mean, it's basically the same pitching staff we've had for at least the last two years. So it's a lot of veterans. Uh, Jaden Ralston, who's a freshman, I think is going to be special. I mean, I heard that she was pretty upset that she gave up one run. I think she gave up two runs on the weekend, but one game when she pitched like at 1.2 innings or something like that, she gave up a run and she was all pissed in the dugout and everyone was like, this is college softball. This is, you're not going to throw a shutout every game. Not at Iowa State anyway. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) And so I think, you know, having all those veterans and then the mix of, once again, the mix of the freshmen in there is going to be good for everyone all around. Again, I have high expectations for Iowa State. I think Pinkerton does a really good job up there in mm-hmm. Iowa State. What were the expectations for this team coming into the season? I, I know for the you know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, obviously it's back to the College World Series, back to Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma City. Um, Baylor preseason pick number four. Seen a lot of people projecting them to make the postseason. Didn't see that for Iowa State. So from from an Iowa State perspective. What are expectations for this year? Is it is it back to a regional? Is it further than that? Or is it just, let's see how this season goes? I think it's definitely get back to a regional. Uh, when we made it two years ago, it was the first time we had made it since 1988, I want to say. So having these players still on the team that were on the team uh, when we went a couple of years ago, once again, it's going to be down to how the veterans respond to when we're two and three at, after the first five games. Uh, so I think last year we finished right around 500, missed the postseason. This year I think it's a realistic expectation, you know, steal a game or two from Baylor and hope that you can finish fourth in the Big 12. Yeah, that 2021 season, 34 and 23 overall, made it to regional. Uh, 28 and 27 last year didn't weren't able to get there. I... I Iowa State is not a program that has a history of softball success. I mean, you mentioned it. Right. Regional yeah. appearance in 21, regional appearance in 1988, and then some women's college world, some postseason appearances back in the 70s. Um, not a long history of, of success here. I do like the job that Jamie Pinkerton has done um, so far at Iowa State, this being year six for him. Is this a program you feel like is is growing? And where do you view Iowa State 
in the new Big 12 once Oklahoma and Texas leave. Obviously, you're going to have UCF, you're going to have BYU and Houston join this conference. We've seen how good UCF has become under head coach uh, Cindy Ball Malone. We know Oklahoma State will still be here. Where do you view Iowa State as far as where they should be in the pecking order once we have this new conference setting? Uh, I think it's definitely growing. Uh, Coach Pinkerton has done a great job over the last six years of bringing attention to the program, and that's kind of the first thing that you have to do when you get to a program like Iowa State when there wasn't that great of teams, we're being honest. Uh, so I think the new Big 12, you know, it's kind of a chance to maybe become the third or fourth best team every year, not just one random year when you have Sammy Williams on your team, you know. Yeah, uh, it is fair. So if they can become a solid third-place team, then eventually, you know, you'll get to a second-place team. And then maybe 10, 15 years down the line, you're talking you can compete with a first-place Big 12 team. I think softball is interesting in the Big 12 as it's been so dominated by Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Texas has remained really good, and it's kind of been that consistent too. And I have Oklahoma State, who's risen up over the past couple seasons, and they're sticking around. Oklahoma, Texas are going to leave, and you, you feel like you're going to have a dominant Oklahoma State program as long as Coach Gajewski is there. Right. Then you just kind of look and say, the rest of this conference is kind of open for the take. UCF's going to come in. I would expect them to continue to have success as long as head coach Cindy Ball Malone is there. She's doing an incredible job there in Orlando. And then after that, we've seen Baylor make the postseason on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Jamie Pinkerton is the one who's gotten Iowa State back there for the first time in decades. Texas Tech's going through a new head coach. Kansas has, you know, not been okay. Houston and BYU have had success, BYU more so. Like it, it does feel like this is a conference there where the, the opportunity is going to be there for a team to rise up or a couple of teams to rise up. And and for the Big Twelve as a fan of the Big Twelve, like this needs to be a conference that's able to continue to put four teams into the postseason mm -hmm. on a regular basis and have a host or two. So I think Iowa State has the opportunity with Pinkerton as the head coach. I'm I'm curious if Iowa State is the team who's able to to climb that mountain and, and anchor themselves at the uh, at the top of the standings or in the upper half of the standings on a regular basis. Yeah, I think there could be a lot of shift in the Big 12 just in the next couple of years with all the moving parts. So whoever comes out on top, you know, who's going to be the next big dog if it's not, well, Oklahoma State's probably going to be, but... You know, you, you get what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, no, I get it. I, and maybe it's a situation where the team rotates and it's not one team mm -hmm. every year. But, you know, I, we see this a lot in, in the Olympic sports. Once a program kind of starts to find success, they become more committed to it and they're able to sustain that success more so. And so it's interesting that Iowa State had their big year. Can they... Last year was a dip off. Can they get back to that and find a way to sustain that moving forward? I think that's going to be a big, a big thing for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned they will be at the Fresno State kickoff classic uh, this weekend. They've got a game against UAC, a couple games against Fresno State, a couple games against Seattle. Um, so not a murderer's row. I mean, if you're picking right now, what is Iowa State's record this after this coming weekend in their five game slate? I think I'd be happy with three and two, but four and one seems more realistic to me personally. I think that's um, the hope. Yeah. yeah. I think you're just going to drop a game regardless. That's just how it works. Got to be at peace with that, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, if you can keep the mistakes down to one game, finish the weekend with four wins, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you play these five-game slates in a weekend. Like It's not like a... a the conference series, you're playing three games, you're playing one game a day. Right. You're playing five games over a two or three day period. Like you're going to get through your rotation. You're mm -hmm. trying to test all your arms, give everybody opportunities. So they can get experience, especially your young, younger members or, or new new team members. Um, so I, I I will pick three and two and hope for four and one as yeah. well. See Iowa State bounce back big. Hayden, uh, thank you for joining the show. I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you for having uh, me. You guys, you and uh, and your co-host, who is a member of the Iowa State softball team, do a good job covering softball over there at Wide Right 90 Light. Do me a favor, plug your show and, and everything you guys do to cover the Cyclone softball program. Uh, yeah, so from the other side, it's me and Leah Nelson. She absolutely carries the show. Uh, we cover all Iowa State women's athletics, So, but softball is kind of our main focus, and she's 
on the team. Uh, we just released an episode on Tuesday, February 14th. I don't know when this is releasing, but uh, so go check that out under the wide right, Natty Light, pretty much wherever you find us. Uh, we're across all platforms. We have tons of guests. I think we had Coach Pinkerton on last week or two weeks ago. Uh, he was a great interview. So we have a good time. Aiden, appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck to your cycle into the season, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you. Do you love the Big 12 Conference? Do you love college basketball? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. So come on over to the Midwest Madness Podcast, powered by the 1012 Network, where I, Robbie Triano of SiriusXM, talk all things men's basketball in the Big 12 Conference. Whether it's breaking down the biggest games, interviews with some of the best people covering the league, or discussing which teams will make the big dance, make the Midwest Madness Podcast your bi-weekly listen, because the best way to prepare for March Madness is to listen to the Midwest Madness. The college baseball season begins this weekend, and for three years now, we have started our season every year the same way, and I'm I'm very excited to do it again. Uh... You know them best as College Baseball Nation. They are John and Kyle. And we are drafting Big 12 Baseball Non-Conference Series. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Three straight years. It's starting to feel like we're we're old veterans at this now. Right? It's a tradition. We're we got to keep friends. going. Yeah, yeah no. This is, this is, as the calendar is closer, I'm always like, hey, guys, we, we got to draft. Like, it's, a, I, it's a thing. It's it's my most fun way to like get the season kind of rolling. Obviously, we'll do breakdowns of teams throughout the season, so on so forth. But I just like as opposed to just doing a traditional like let's preview the Big Twelve. Like I want to talk about things you should keep an eye on for this year, and this seems like a good way to do it. So this year, the way we're going to do this, it's a four round draft. We'll go. We will. Uh, we'll snake draft this, uh, which means uh, whoever starts first in the first round goes third in the second, whoever is last in the first round goes first in the second, and so on and so forth, back and forth. We're going to go four rounds, uh, so I, I know that our lists are not that long, or quite long, so I don't think there'll be too much overlap. Before we get started on this, guys, um, what, what what's just your overview thought of the Big 12 this season? I think what I'm looking at with the Big 12 is it's either lots of contenders or, or there's lots of parody maybe is the way to put it. I think Kyle and I had a lot of difficulty ranking the big 12 teams heading into this year. I think we weren't alone. And uh, just seeing what the, the coaches did, for instance, with Oklahoma, a team that wasn't that far away from winning a national championship last year was fifth in the coaches poll. So there's just you know, four or five teams right up there at the top that feel like they all have their own strengths and weaknesses. And it's, anybody's guess who's going to win the big 12 this year. Yeah. We have Texas and Oklahoma state in the top 20 and, uh, and, and tech was right there at 24 TCU just out of the top 25. Um, and Oklahoma dropped a lot after losing a lot of, of talent from their last year's team. But I think, yeah, I think like John was saying, there could be any number of contenders out of that or a lot of like all the same kind of hold this, like they're living together and, and bringing each other down, dragging each other up stuff like that that'd be fun yeah we made our preseason uh, field of 64 projection only had one big 12 host and we settled on oklahoma state for that and that feels a little bit dirty you know last year uh two right two hosts from the big 12 i think it feels like i mean one's the floor but we might see a second host out of the big 12 i feel like expectations in the big 12 is at the conference i understand the strength of the sec the acc and so on and so forth but the big 12 expects to at least have two hosts each year i mean that that feels like it's what's kind of the floor expectation with as good as tcu and texas tech and texas and oklahoma state consistently are you've seen oklahoma obviously they made their run all the way to the the final series of the college world series last year i mean it feels like the depth of the big 12 sometimes is a strength because it creates a lot of chaos and fun but can lead to maybe only getting one or two. I just like, this is a conference that should expect, in my opinion, to get two hosts each year. Do you guys think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think what we're seeing is we are seeing as the years go by a concentration in the power conferences when it comes to to hosting and to teams in the field of 64. 
And so I think SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 really are the four conferences where most of the hosts are going to come from. And so I think any given year, I think it's easy to start looking for two hosts in the Big 12. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, this year's tricky. Maybe someone will rise above the pack a little bit more, but we have Texas Tech. And I feel like last year we we phrased it a little as retooling and they did all right. I, I almost want to say they're rebuilding at this point. Texas Tech feels like they're not quite at the same level they were. Texas kind of similarly lost, a, a, I mean, the Hispanic Titanic, lost Tanner Witt uh, with injury last year. That's unclear if he's going to be coming back this season. Uh, you know, Oklahoma lost their whole rotation, plus a lot of key position players. It's just, there's a lot of unknowns in the Big 12. So, you know, bring us back on in two months and we'll have a clearer picture about what's going to happen in the Big 12. <laughs> that, that. I feel like we say that about every school or every sport in the Big 12 is like, okay, here's our expectation. Let's let's visit again in a couple of weeks to a month and, and see where things actually are. Well, I did want to note Texas Tech. Um, they had uh, two big losses for the season, Jake Ducart and, and Jack Washburn. How do you feel like that uh, affects your expectations for the Red Raiders this year? I think, I mean, Tim Tadlock is the type of coach at this point who's earned the benefit of the doubt. I think getting a good pitching staff together in Lubbock is a very, is a non-trivial task, but year in and year out, Tadlock seems to have at least a serviceable pitching staff. Injuries never great at the beginning of the year, but I think if there's any coach in the Big 12 who I have the most faith in for plugging and chugging and making tweaks with a lineup, it's probably Tadlock. I think one of my biggest concerns really, which is is weird, is I, I don't know who's going to hit home runs for Tech. Like there's just not a whole lot of power back for Texas Tech, so uh, I'm I'm a little concerned. I mean the ball the ball flies in Lubbock, so the home runs will come, but I'm it's unclear to me who's going to be in that middle of the lineup for Texas Tech. All right, as uh, let, let's go ahead and get to the point of this particular uh, episode or interview is uh, some drafts, some non-con series for the Big Twelve this year. I think we're all pretty excited. Have some pretty robust lists. I don't think it was too hard to come up with a long list of of series we're excited about. We are including the four incoming schools, as we do with Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF, which obviously really uh, just made the number of options grow. Now, this is podcasting, which, of course, we all know is a visual medium. Uh, so what we're going to do to determine our, our order here is a, is a a rocking game of rock, paper, scissor. Excellent. Uh, so if you guys are ready to go, uh, we will rock, paper, scissor, shoot. All right? All right. All right. On three. Rock. Paper, scissor, shoot. Oh, wow. That is three scissors. <laughs> three scissors. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Uh, rock, paper, scissor, shoot. We got one of each. Yeah, three-way tie this uh, time. <laughs> we have. <laughs> That's really impressive. Right, let's try it again. This is, this is going well. All right. Uh, rock, paper, scissor, shoot. Uh, I got one rock and two John scissors. John hasn't changed okay. at all. He scissors the whole time. Yeah, that's Thanks, my strategy. You know? Rock paper scissors is, is don't <laughs> overthink it. Well, I tell you what, I love the hot corner. So here's how we'll do this. Uh, John, I'm going to let you have a first ride of refusal, followed by Kyle, and then and then I will go. And as I said, we will we'll snake draft this, so I'll come back around. So uh, with that said, then uh, with your first pick, John, what would you uh, what series review you have your eye on? Sidebar, I think we discovered a great podcast uh, spinoff right there, the, the Rock, Paper, Scissors podcast. It uh, works really well gonna, in that medium. That's gonna, it's going to bring a whole lot of listeners. <laughs> uh, give me Stanford OU. So Stanford travels to Oklahoma for four games, and I just talked about how Oklahoma has a, a huge number of question marks. These are two College World Series teams from a year ago, and this series is, is pretty deep into uh, the season. It's, it starts the last weekend of March. So it's going to be the type of series where I think if we're right about Stanford, Stanford's probably going to be coming into this series as a top 10 team. Oklahoma, depending on how much they can rebuild, is either going to be a team that maybe surprises us or maybe this is a team that is really, uh, let's not say desperate, but eager for some marquee non-conference wins. So I think the the narrative around this series is is really really easy to to draw up from right here in the preseason and i mean stanford ou two cultural series teams from a year ago that's just that's that's some some pretty exciting baseball right there yeah four games uh basically the end of march 
first uh, few days of April, right there, dead smack in the middle of Big 12 schedule. So that's a that is an interesting one. I like that first pick. It's a good one. Uh, okay, Kyle, what's your first pick? Uh, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State traveling to Michigan. Um, Michigan's not like necessarily a historic baseball power, but anytime late in the season, one power like uh, Oklahoma State travels on the road to another like a power conference team. Um, I think that's really cool. It's just a, it's a fun middle of the season. Um, I guess towards the end of the season, it's like late April, um, fun series and Michigan won the big 10 tournament last year, not projected to be in the top of the big 10 this year, but they're always, I mean, they, they recruit well, they, they have, they develop really well and Oklahoma state they've, they've been projected to be the top of the big 12. So I, I, it'd be a fun, uh, just like a fun matchup late in the season. Yeah, you know, I, I, to be honest, it's interesting to look at some of the schedules. We can talk about this as we go. OSU typically has a really good non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, I don't feel like they scheduled up quite as much as they have in the past. Um, Tech is a team we'll be talking about, I'm sure, here in a bit. Meanwhile, it's a team who last year I believe we criticized their non-conference slate for not being all that good. This year they flipped that around quite a lot. Now, uh, with my first pick though, I'm going to talk uh, an earlier season slate. You guys are taking two non-cons in the middle of conference play. I'm taking TCU hosting Florida State for three games uh, here, just the second weekend of the season. Look for State, the solid baseball program. Uh, we have high expectations for TCU as always. The Big 12 picked them as the preseason number one team in the Big 12. I think for an early home series at non-conference, I mean, obviously they'll be uh, uh, in uh, in in Arlington for that uh, other slate that someone might pick here in a bit. But I think TCU, Florida State there in that second weekend of the year uh, is, is a nice one for TCU fans and, and should get those even who are nominally interested in in college baseball to, to get to the ballpark that's a grudge match last year tcu went to florida state and went zero and two in that series where they canceled game three so let's see if tcu can get a win in that series this year i couldn't find why they canceled uh-huh. that game three was it weather or something knowing tallahassee it's got to be weather probably yeah, rain. That makes sense that checks out <laughs> uh so with my second pick uh i'm actually gonna pick uh, one of the incoming programs. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how UCF looks this year. They've been a, a solid program there in the AAC, and I am very intrigued by the fact that they're facing off against a Maryland program for mm-hmm. three games, which I believe was picked preseason number one for the Big Ten. Uh, I, I think I looked at a couple of the preseason polls from the previous year because that's what Google threw at me first for some strange reason. But if I recall correctly, Maryland was the preseason Big Ten favorite this year, and so UCF getting Maryland for a few games down there in Orlando should be a really good opportunity to see just how good this UCF program can be in its final year in the AAC as it preps to join the Big 12 next year. I do like that pick. Yeah. I How are we treating... Uh... We can we can do the tournaments right for my for my next pick. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm good with tournaments. That's fine. All right. Well, then I'm gonna do the. But you got to pick. You got to pick one. Not the tournament as a whole. You got to pick. If there's multiple Big Twelve teams, you got to pick one Big Twelve teams. Oh, one Big Twelve team slate. Yes, that makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. No, okay. No, um. Yeah. I guess I'll go with the college baseball classic. But give me. I mean, they all play the same teams. But I think I just like yeah. the. The matchup here with with Texas, they go Arkansas first, which is just a, a classic uh, Southwest Conference matchup. And then Mizzou, they played a few times in the Big Twelve days, and Texas and Vandy just seems like a fun, um, just like a fun, pretty uh, high pitching matchup. So college baseball classic over in uh, I guess showdown, not classic. Yeah, we coached you up right before the <laughs> podcast, Kyle. We coached you up on this one. I changed one of my cells, but not both, <laughs> not all three. So, um, but that one's up there in Globe Life field right or park yes. field um I, it's new so i, sure. I still haven't it's been to it. it's the classic or showdown at the park or the field it's one of those things <laughs> and it's 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 like a super historic thing at a brand new ballpark you know yeah <laughs> i mean this is a this should be an interesting one here and we'll like we'll talk about a few other ones but it's a really good opening weekend slate of college baseball around the big 12 and this one along with texas uh oklahoma state is going to be there tcu as well facing off against those three teams that you mentioned in vanderbilt arkansas and missouri so it seems to typically be a big 12 sec matchup uh, we saw some interesting stuff here last year so I'm, I'm really intrigued three teams that i mean especially tcu and oklahoma state kind of pieces and picks one and two in the big 12 
Um, Arkansas consistently a good program. Vandalia a good program. Missouri is also going to be there. I I, I do think this is an interesting uh, three games. Look, I I literally got a Flow softball subscription for one month just so nice. I could watch some some Big Twelve softball last weekend and watch these games this weekend, and then I will cancel it because Flow Sports, whatever. But mm. thirty bucks for one month seemed like a decent deal. So yeah, I like that pick. Free uh free baseball for I mean, as much baseball as you can get, as much softball as you can get. Yeah. Uh John, what would you like for your second pick, sir? All right. So I did back to back picks here, right? With the turn. Mm-hmm. Uh yes, so sir. I'm just gonna go all in then. I'm gonna do BYU at Louisiana Tech, followed by BYU at Louisiana mm-hmm. because they play eight straight games in the state of Louisiana to start the year. Uh which is I think pretty cool. And I looked at the the academic calendar. I was like, oh, maybe BYU has like spring break or, you know, like a ski week or something. They don't. So these guys are just going to be just traveling for a, just gone for a week because they do. Uh, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sorry. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday is the Louisiana Tech series. And then their next series at Louisiana starts on a Wednesday. So they do four games starting Wednesday, Thursday, hmm. Friday, Saturday. So that's a odd scheduling quirk, at least somewhat influenced by BYU not playing on Sundays. But uh, that's eight uh, really solid games against uh, Louisiana Tech and Louisiana, both top 50 teams. Uh, Conference USA Sun Belt, really solid uh, conferences right there. Uh, I think if, if BYU is going to be good this year, which I have my, my doubts about BYU, but uh, we're going to find out pretty quickly. Eight games against two likely tournament teams is a really good way to start off your season. How are they going to handle the Sundays with, when BYU joins the – I mean, I guess kind of like this. Just every Big 12 team, when they get BYU, they just have to do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Yeah, like that. that's the plan. Uh, yeah, uh, which makes sense. I think yeah. everyone understands that's fine. Well, uh, I have both those on my list. Those are uh, those are good series. Uh, the Louisiana Tech's Conference USA preseason favorite, if I recall correctly. Yes, lots of lots of competitors though in Conference USA. It should be good. Uh, okay, Kyle, uh, your third pick, sir. What would you like? Hmm. One of y'all are going to take this one if I don't. But we haven't really. Uh, I guess I already did. Okay, I'm going to take OU traveling to Houston. So this is a current and a future Big Twelve member. Uh, double dip. Yeah. So it's it's a good all around. It's almost a conference matchup, but it's not. Um, I I just I like local-ish rivalries like that. There's some OU fans here in in, in a Houston area. Um, but that's just a fun one to see if see if Houston can step back up to what they had been the past few years and if, see what OU can do. I think that one's pretty pretty soon, right? Is it it's not first. And it's one of it's like one of their first three series. So, yeah, that's a that's a fun one. Yeah, that one should be good. Uh Houston preseason AAC favorite if I recall. Oh, man, I'm trying to like pull this. I would guess there. ECU is East but, Carolina. That's right. Yeah, East yeah. Carolina is then Houston second, and UCF is third. Is yeah. Right? Okay. Thank you. Uh, no, I like that one. That was on my list as well. Um, okay. Uh, when I go shopping for these, I always look for the big names, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then I always like to get some similar to to John's BYU against the Louisiana's. I always like to look for somewhere you find some um, high expectation mid major teams because I think you can get some really interesting series there, especially just from a college baseball standpoint. Um, and so, uh, Texas Tech could open the season against Gonzaga, uh, expected to repeat as the West Coast Conference uh, champion again this season. Uh, like I said, Texas Tech is a program who last year we criticized their non-conference schedule for good reason. It wasn't great. Um, Texas Tech stepped up. They've got four games against what I think is going to be a really good Gonzaga program. Again, one of those, hey, if we bring him in for, for men's basketball, you can bring baseball along with it as well because um, that'd be a fun program to play in the Big 12. So I'm I'm going to take that one for my third pick. Uh, and for my fourth pick on our wraparound here, since let's see, I've got some TCU, some UCF, and some Texas Tech. Uh, I'm going to take another one that is this weekend, and another Big 12 versus uh, preseason conference favorite. Not a lot of expectation for Baylor this season uh, in the Big 12, but uh, so I am interested to see how they match up with Central Michigan this weekend, preseason favorite in the MAC. Again, I like these weird Big 12 versus uh, mid-major, highly high expectation. Uh, I forget how we're. 
But in football, it's like G5. Mid-major. Mid-major. Thank yeah, you. That works. Basketball. Central uh, Michigan so won 43 games last year. That's a lot of games. Yeah, it's a lot of baseball games. And they've won the MAC three years in a row, too. Or at least represented the MAC in the, in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they won it all three years. Yeah, the tournament. So, yeah. I am, uh, I'm intrigued by that one because I am I not a lot of expectation for Baylor this year. So I'm curious to see if maybe... We should expect a little bit more if they're just going to be the bottom of the Big Twelve. Yeah, we not talked a lot about of that expectation is not a lot of expectations. Very friendly way of, a very nice way of saying that. <laughs> yeah, coaches <laughs> picked them last, right? I think that's yeah, what we talked about behind Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> it's first year coach. You know, it's uh, rebuilding. I I think the, um, this we had a we had a, a guest on the show back after that hire was made. Um, Good expectations for for, um, and now I've just forgot the name. Forgive, thank you for Mitch Thompson's uh, tenure there at Baylor, having been associated with the program before. Uh, but it's very much a not year one, but a, a bit of a rebuild. I think he'll do a good job there. So. And yeah, he was at McLennan before that for a long time, and they're a really good community college baseball program in the in in Waco. So it's he just moved houses. I didn't even have to move houses really. <laughs> Uh, okay, Kyle, your fourth pick. What would you like, sir? My fourth and final pick. I'm going to go with a two-gamer because I love those. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma State versus uh, hosting Arizona State. Um, Oklahoma State won both of those games last year at Arizona State, so Arizona State's trying to uh, get some revenge on that. This time it's in um, it's in Stillwater. It's in the midweek, I believe. Um, so that, those are just some some fun historical powers, I guess, in uh in baseball so that's a that's a fun one i like it uh there's some good two game midweek uh, a lot. Uh, this season yeah quite a few uh okay john for your last pick what do you got sir i i want to go with the cincinnati series because we haven't mentioned cincinnati yet but they do go to florida in week two and that's a really solid uh week two matchup i think florida has a some pretty high expectations for themselves uh probably looking at the second place in the sec east florida pitching staff is going to be one of the best in the country so that's a real challenge for cincinnati especially saying that they are coming off the weekend before with a four-game series on the road so seven straight games on the road to start off their season tough start for cincinnati but uh i mean if you want to be the best you gotta play the best so pretty good non-conference series there Let's uh, let's kind of recap our draft here, and then we can talk about some other series we did not pick. Uh, John has taken Oklahoma versus Stanford, BYU at Louisiana Tech, and BYU at Louisiana, and Cincinnati at Florida. A lot of interesting road games there. Kyle has OSU at Michigan, the college baseball showdown, specifically Texas versus Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, uh, Oklahoma at Houston, and a two-game midweek series between Oklahoma State and Arizona State in Stillwater. And then I had TCU versus Florida State, UCF versus Maryland, Texas Tech versus Gonzaga, and Baylor versus Central Michigan. I've got quite a few more on my list. Um, just to run through some of the other ones you guys didn't pick, uh, what what are a couple that really stick out to you that didn't make our cut here? Texas at Fullerton, and that's not really Texas's fault there. <laughs> it's Fullerton kind of not being as good lately, but they're they're coming back. They've uh, they've had a bad few years, but I think that's just like a that's another one of those fun, it's like Augie Grito matchup, you know? <laughs> yeah, I had UCF at Clemson. I think Clemson under first-year head coach Eric Backett should be really an interesting team. I also want to throw out San Diego at TCU. If Gonzaga doesn't win the West Coast Conference, it's going to be San Diego who does. San Diego won 37 games last year, so that's a fun little series. Uh, also, Iowa at Texas Tech, I'll say honorable mention. That's a Iowa team that probably will win something like 30, 35 games. So it's uh, a very, like we've referenced a few times at this point, Texas Tech has a very respectable non-conference schedule this year. I have uh, West Virginia at App State in a two-game midweek for no other reason but that they're both Mountaineers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned Tech. They'll play in the Shriners Classic. I liked their lineup of Michigan, Rice, and Texas A&M better than TCU's lineup of Michigan, Louisville, and Rice. Uh, Tech, we mentioned Stanford. Tech's got two games in a midweek series in April at Stanford. The Tech-Stanford, you know, ever since the Tech-Lubbock Regional that Stanford won, it's almost like a little like a little weird mini-baseball rivalry mm. where I kind of like watching them play. Uh, Texas versus San Jose State, uh, I thought might be interesting just because they seem to have some high expectations in the Mountain West. And then West Virginia and UCF both, game, both have series against Georgia Southern. Um, pick second in the Sun Belt, I thought could be 
could be a little bit fun again i love those p5 versus uh mid-major series that could get interesting or at least be beneficial to your rpi if you're trying to get into the postseason down the line p5 P- is a no-no term in baseball <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. P6? Eh, ma- ma- power conference. Major conference? Power, con- sure. power conference. We need to you just invent our whole, like we need a whole new college baseball conference dictionary because I struggle with it consistently. Like mid-major, I feel like is insulting to some power. Like if there's a power, it's probably power four if I had to go with it, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's like power four and then American and then big 10 is like the, the typical one for, for football. But yeah, like I, I don't but, know. But now the Americans kind of falling apart and losing two of yeah. the best programs. So Sunbelt Conference USA, but like what power seven? That's a little clunky. That's too much. <laughs> and we have we have the P six in basketball because you have power five plus the Big East. That's and true. You have your mid majors. So I mean, I, I if we got a P six in baseball. That's fine. I I think. All right, you know what? We can make some new. We can make some new terms. We'll, we'll brainstorm power conference. <laughs> I think that's a it's a good topic for another day, uh, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Always appreciate you hopping on the show and look forward to having you on multiple times throughout the season. Um, Look, I I put you guys up there with D1 Baseball as far as the places to go for college baseball coverage. Do me a favor. Where can everybody find all the incredible work you guys have been doing this season? Yeah, so College Baseball Nation is the name. Our website's collegebaseball.info. Socials are at collegeballnet. And... It's it's baseball season, so we're active on all of that. We have an open mailbag for our podcast, so feel free to send us any questions you have about college baseball, and maybe we'll answer it on the College Baseball Nation podcast. Like I'll be I'll be blunt. I don't listen to every episode, but every time you put anything Big Toe related in the headline, like I'm gonna hit play. We'll just we'll just tag you every time we do. That's perfect. <laughs> just tag just tag Tim Tom. Okay, I'm gonna go listen. <laughs> they told me I need to go listen. You get to the very end and be like, and uh Oklahoma played baseball this weekend. That was for 1012. Right. Thank you for your bed. plug. <laughs> we'll bait you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't use Oklahoma and Texas as a way to bait me. This is a, yeah. you know, just looking forward. <laughs> uh guys, appreciate it. Looking forward to the season and the, and continue to follow your work this year. Thank Thanks you for having us. Podcast Network.